Well, for me growing up, gender wasn't really like a thing, uh, overtly at least. Uh, gender was more so, um, as it wasn't so much a discussion, but more of like an exploration, but it was an exploration that was down this very definitive path. Um, and we had these very definitive pylons on the side of the path. Um, so it was, this is what you could explore within your gender. Um, and me growing up as a cisgendered man, uh, that was, um, it wasn't as much limiting when I was growing up, but it was very like confusing to me. I would encounter these moments of uh, people letting me know that you, that's not some place that you can go. Um, so it was, it was uh, I love nature, which is great if you're a boy, but not flowers. And uh, I can love wrestling with uh, my dad or um, playing around, play fighting with my friends, my male friends, but I I wasn't allowed to enjoy being held or hugging, um, at least with my male friends, not only of what was enforced, but how it was enforced. Um, Cause it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't ever something that was talked about, but it was something that was very much enforced. So, and for me growing up, uh, sexuality was always very much connected with gender. Uh, my first understanding of what gender was, um, was in connection with the, the, of course, the dichotomy of women versus men. And so growing up, I always saw that gender was inextricably bound up with sexuality. And if you were an effeminate man, that means you were gay. That means, yeah, it was, it was always tied together with sexuality. And so the shame of um, being gay and also the shame of being genderqueer were tied together and just kind of like in this rather nasty shame package. Um, but then I was finally able to come out, um, which for me was a very, it wasn't an emotional um, discovery. It was a logical discovery, but then I was finally able to accept, Oh, okay. So I am gay. Okay, great. I can, I can accept that. And also when I came out, um, I came out co- a couple of, months after RuPaul, RuPaul's Drag Race came out. And so I, like, at that time, I was like, okay, so being gay is a way to explore your gender queerness. And like, that's what being gay means. It means you don't have to play by the rules anymore. Yes, I'm going to come out with a vengeance, not only as a gay person, but also as queer as hell. Um, And so I like started embracing my love of drag and then started embracing my love of femininity. And I started making these connections um, with uh, how I used to feel this kinship with my sisters when I was growing up. Um, And then also with these um, strong female uh, characters that I saw on TV and film. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's what I like. Um, And I started realizing that, oh, okay, so that's like, that's my femininity coming through and like ready to roar. Um, but as I said, that was when I was uh, going into college, which I went to college uh, and my major, I was a BFA music theater major. Um, so that's when it uh, really came to a clashing head of um, it's fine to be uh, not heterosexual and be in the theater. In fact, um, 
gay people have found their home in the theater for ever since there was a theater. Um, but uh, it's another thing entirely to be uh, queer in the theater. In college is when I first started understanding that in an audition room, um, what my professors were saying is they were saying, oh, well, just be yourself. We want to see you. We want to see you coming through. And that's who we want to see when you're auditioning. But what they were really saying was that, okay, we want to see a marketable brand, which doesn't do really well when you are queer, because there's nothing really wrong with typecasting, except when your story isn't being told, when your type isn't being cast. And so then I graduated. I, I moved to New York. I both fortunately and unfortunately ended up in a rather uh, homophobic neighborhood. And also then I was going into professional audition rooms where that idea of we want to see your type, uh, we want to see your marketable brand was even had even higher stakes. I began to notice that casting directors weren't really looking for uh, authenticity. They were looking for that marketable archetype. And then that was also when I started realizing, like, I'm not a supporting character. Like, that's not the kind of actor that I am. I'm the kind of actor who I want to tell these really deep and easily, not easily, well-explored stories, which is what the leading uh, men and women get to do, is they get to explore all of the facets of their solos and the facets of their character arcs. Whereas the supporting characters are just kind of like, I'm quirky and I have one character trait. But then that's where it came to a head where my queerness was really just butting up against that need to explore. Um, And when I say that I wanted to explore, it wasn't just an artistic need. It was also for my career to advance. Um, the, the actors who get to explore those deep characters and come up with complexity in their characters and their performances are the ones who get to advance their careers faster. Um, whereas supporting characters, they often get shunted off into playing more character roles, more supporting characters who have these often very 2D character arcs, if they even get a character arc. So I was coming in conflict with this idea that I want to advance my career as a performer and also express myself as an artist, but all of the queer characters that I'm getting typecast as don't get that. There's not a lot of complexity being explored um, or being encouraged to be explored in supporting characters because it's not their story. Then it all kind of came to a head when I got cast as the MC in the National Tour of Cabaret. And I finally got to play a character who was unabashedly queer. And I also got to play this character who doesn't have any definition. So I got to give all the definition I wanted to him. Um, it was, he was my character. Um, there are other actors who have played the MC, but like every single MC is different because there's like literally nothing written down about him. He has no backstory. All he gets is like, this is your line and this is your vague dialect and go play. And I was like, yes. So that was a moment of getting to just be like, I get to be unabashedly me in these circumstances, but I get to be unabashedly queer. And then it kind of just came to an end with the end of tour. And I went back to going into casting rooms where people would look at my resume and say, okay, like, can you show us anything else? And also can you show us how you're not going to be overtly queer? Which there is a part of that that's like every actor has to realize that you don't get to just be you in every single role. But there is also intense shame that comes from 
people looking at your body of work, a body of work that has been very representative of who you are and who you've been told to be ashamed of, who you've been shamed for in the past, and saying, okay, well, can you like, can you butch it up for the leading role? Can you play anything else besides who you are? Which of course the answer was yes. And the answer continues to be yes. But there's also the part of me as an artist, as a person who wants greater diversity and greater complexity in the storytelling that wants to answer that question of, well, why should I have to? Is there anything specific about the character that is saying they need to not be queer? Um, And that was the thing that I kept encountering and continue encountering when it comes to leading roles, is that the leading men are rarely, if ever, allowed to be unabashedly queer. And even when they are, quite often those roles aren't given to queer actors. They're given to straight actors who play it queer, in which case they don't really know what they're doing. Because uh, there's a level of research that comes in when it comes to certain certain characters. The ones that are popping into my mind um, are like Alban and Lakaja Fol, the character that James Corden just played in The Prom, and like they're these flamboyant characters. But when you ask straight actors to play that those characters, they often will display the flamboyancy without understanding what's underneath that. Because there's no queer person who's just, I'm just going to be fabulous. It's like, there's always a reasoning behind that. And so that very rarely gets explored. Um, So not only was I encountering um, these leading man roles that were being kept from me as a queer person, because they wanted me to butch it up for various reasons. I mean, a lot of the times there's internalized homophobia when it comes to casting. There's a fear of, oh, we don't want this character to be too much for other audiences. Or there's just a general lack of understanding that like a young lover doesn't have to be butch in order to be a young lover. Or um, the strong and silent type doesn't also have to be impervious and invulnerable. Like they can, they can be open and even, dare I say, effeminate. Um, And they can still be that character. Like you don't have to be impervious or um, toxically masculine in order to be a leading man. So not only was there that, but then there's also the, the queer characters that are written as unabashedly queer were still being cast as these non-queer actors who don't really know what they're doing how I can best serve not only myself, but more importantly, serve queer community and helping to be that person who's like, I'm going to go, and I'm going to tell these stories. I'm going to tell my story and also help tell other people's stories or better yet, help them tell their own stories so that we don't have to be hearing people who don't understand telling our own stories. Because in the end, life for me is all about telling your story. 